from the Anderson 182 Career and Technology Center in Williamson, South Carolina. You are listening to the Randomist Podcast with your host, Zachary Franks. Hello, everyone. My name is Zachary Franks, and I'd like to welcome you into episode number two of the Randomness Podcast, where today we're going to be talking all things baseball. Um, so we're going to be discussing some of the major roster moves made this past offseason, what I expect to see this upcoming season, and finally some fun baseball stories I have to tell. So without further delay, let's go ahead and get into what we have to talk about for today. Starting out with some of the pitchers who changed teams in the offseason, Trevor Bauer, the reigning NL Cy Young Award winner, signed a three-year, $102 million contract to play with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Bauer, formerly of the Cincinnati Reds and Cleveland Indians, will suit up for the Dodgers to play with an already amazing rotation featuring the likes of David Price, Clayton Kershaw, and Walker Buehler. So, um, Bauer, of course, helped the Reds make the playoffs for the first time since 2013 this past season in a campaign that wound up helping him win his first career Cy Young Award, as I said. Um, So, he'll now suit up for the Dodgers, undoubtedly making them the favorites to win the NL, if not the entire league, yet again. Um, Their neighbors down to the south, the Padres, uh, also stayed active this offseason. They acquired 2018 Cy Young Award winner Blake Snell in exchange for young catcher Francisco Mejia and three prospects. So Snell, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, who was infamously pulled this past season in Game 6 of the World Series against the Dodgers with like 72 pitches and one of the most controversial uh, coaching decisions over the past five years, if not the past 20 years. Um, that was you know, a decision that ultimately cultivated in the Rays losing Game 6 and the series in the process. Um, Snell, who was none too pleased by the move, uh, wound up getting traded to San Diego to go down there and join the Padres, who look great on paper like the Dodgers, have tons of young talent down there. He'll join a rotation featuring the likes of um, Dilson Lamont, Mike Clevelander, as well as Chris Paddock, as well as um, Hugh Darvish, who I'll get to in just a second. He was traded to the Padres as well. Um, and in exchange, Tampa Bay picked up a young catcher, Francisco Mejia. Tampa Bay really needed catching help as they were currently relying on Mike Zanino to be their starting catcher. Zanino last season wound up hitting less under 200 for the entire year and really was just not clutch at all for Tampa Bay at the plate. So uh, Mejia will help improve their offense from that position. And, you know, he's still young, has a lot of upside. And uh, Tampa Bay also acquired th- uh, three prospects in the process. Um, sticking with the Padres, and four-time All-Star Hugh Darvish was traded from the Cubs to the Padres in ex- alongside catcher, backup catcher Victor Carantini in exchange for pitcher Zach Davies and four prospects. So Darvish, of course, uh, had a hit a rough patch a couple years ago with the Dodgers, or with the Dodgers and ultimately the Cubs, but wound up really finding his stride down the stretch in 2019, and really uh, had an excellent 2020 campaign that called you know helping the Cubs win the NL Central. Um, in exchange, um, the Padres also picked up Victor Carantini to help replace the uh, loss that, what they lost with Francisco Mejia as a backup catcher. Um, and in exchange for this, they also acquired uh, the Cubs acquired pitcher Zach Davies, who was a um, of course an excellent, uh, more than fondable pitcher last season, um, who wound up you know so really the Cubs you know aren't necessarily going to have a huge hole in their rotation. They took a little bit of a step back for with Davies, but you know they they still. Davies is still a good pitcher, so it's not like they just completely... And they also picked up four prospects, so... Um, you know, of course, time will tell who wound up winning this this trade, but it looks like um, it was pretty even on paper, if not favoring Chicago, actually, with what they wound up picking up. 
So, um, moving on down, uh, two-time All-Star and postseason hero, Charlie Morton wound up signing a one-year, $50 million contract with the Braves. So, Morton, who spent the past two seasons with Tampa Bay, um, it helped, you know, battled injuries in 2020, had a little bit of a down season, but he was excellent in the postseason, really helping the Rays. Delivered some clutch performance against the Yankees and the Astros, helping the Rays make their second career, second World Series appearance in franchise history. Uh, Morton also noteworthy for his time with the Astros, where he wound up actually finishing off Game Seven of the 2017 World Series against the Dodgers. So, um, some clutch performances in the postseason. He'll go and join the reigning NL East champion for the past three seasons, Atlanta, who of course always, who of course look great yet again. Um, and then finally, five-time All-Star John Lester um, signed a one-year, $5 million contract with the Nationals. This move's not necessarily as noteworthy as the other ones, but I still thought it was interesting because Lester was once a dominant pitcher like all these I just mentioned. Um, but he's really kind of you know slipped a little bit. He's still a great pitcher, but he's uh, you know not the guy he once was. He's more of a four- or five-starter for the Nationals or a depth piece. I, I cannot spit that out. So uh, Lester will be suiting up with... Our team in the nation's capital, the Nationals. Um, so that looks to be about it for pitchers. We'll move on to position players. Now for some of the position players who uh, changed teams over the offseason. Uh, we'll start out with probably the biggest one. Uh, five-time All-Star and eight-time Gold Glove Award winner Nolan Arenado was traded from the Rockies to the Cardinals in exchange for four prospects. Um, the Cardinals, uh, you know, had long looked at Arenado. I remember these rumors last season swirling around about Nolan Arenado and the Cardinals. So St. Louis ultimately wound up pulling the trigger, trigger and even got Colorado to pay a good chunk of his salary. And they didn't really give up a whole lot either. So the Rockies, really just desperate to clear some salary and start their rebuild, uh, was, uh, and of course, Nolan Arenado, who, uh, reportedly told them that he did not want to play for them anymore so um, they went ahead and moved him to the Cardinals they didn't really get much out of him but you know still they got rid of him and his enormous contract Arenado will be suiting up with St. Louis next year who look like they should be the favorites to win the NL Central uh, moving on the uh, Toronto Blue Jays was were really active this past season um, with the position players. They signed former Astros outfielder and World Series MVP George Springer to a six-year, $150 million contract. Springer, of course, was a World Series hero for the Astros in 2017, wound up taking home the MVP award for his performance. Uh, got caught up in the Astros cheating scandal that really, you know, kind of damaged his reputation. Um, he's there. He was uh, still pretty good this past season, has lots of power, you know, good fielder. Not necessarily the best average hitter, but, you know, you know, he looks like he'd be a good fit for Toronto, who really are trying to add on pieces to their young pieces to try to compete in the NL or in the AL East. So Springer will take his talents north of the border and head over, head up to Toronto. Joining him in Toronto will be the an MVP finalist in 2019, Marcus Simeon, who've previously played with the Oakland Athletics. Simeon had a great 2019 campaign that cultivated him finishing in third place for the MLV, or for the AL MVP award. Um, he signed a one-year $18 million contract with the Blue Jays after having kind of a horrible 2020 campaign, nothing near what he was doing in 2019. So uh, the Blue Jays took a chance on him to try to uh, find a place for him in the infield to play. 
Um, and hopefully, and they're hoping that he repeats his 2019 performance and shows that that wasn't just a one-hit wonder year. Moving on now, reigning NL home run leader Marcelo Ozuna signed a four-year, $64 million deal to re- return to the Braves. Ozuna, of course, spent last season as the Braves' designated hitter. Wound up leading the NL in home runs with, I think it was 18. And also, I think he also led in RBIs up in the 50s. So, um, Ozuna will stay with Atlanta, who, like I said, look, um, look great yet again on paper. You know, they didn't really have to do a whole lot like some of these other teams did to try to stay competitive. You know, they were already there. So they just really kind of added a couple, a piece here or there and, you know, kept mostly the same team intact that they've had over the past three years. Um, and finally, one of the probably the second biggest one, full, four-time All-Star and former Indian shortstop Francisco Lindor was traded to the New York Mets alongside pitcher Carlos Carrasco for fellow shortstop Ahmad, Rosar- Ahmed Rosario and three prospects. So Glendor, of course, uh, meant everything to the city of Cleveland and their their baseball team up there, the Indians. Indians who also are looking to kind of rebuild and clear some salary up. They got a good deal uh, trading him and Carrasco both to the Mets. Um, and in exchange, they did pick up Ahmed Rosario, who's a findable replacement for uh, Lindor. I really like, I, as a Braves fan, I watched the Mets play a lot. So Ahmed Rosario was always pretty good. Uh, definitely good enough to be an everyday player. And, of course, they also picked up three prospects as well. So, moving on to uh, my projections for next season. Um, now, remember, these are just my what I think is going to happen. This is my opinion, so you are entitled to disagree with me. And I'm also probably incorrect because, you know, I usually am with these type of things. But anyways, um, so... Basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through every division in baseball. I'm going to tell you where I think everybody's going to finish, one through five. And then I'm going to tell you, go back and tell you the seeds for the play odds. Okay, so we're going to start out with the NL East. Um, and first place, and what I project to win for the fourth straight season are the Atlanta Braves, followed behind the New York Mets, Washington Nationals, Philadelphia Phillies, and Miami Marlins. Now, the NL East is kind of an interesting division because it's really the only division where all five teams logically could win. Um, I know Miami might be a little bit of a stretch, but you got to remember Miami also um, Miami also sneaked their way into the playoffs last season in the 60-game year. I don't think they'll be as good this year. Remember, last season was 60. This is 162. So there's a completely different, you know, preparation and there's a completely different preparation you have to go through and a di- uh, completely different, you know, you Basically, you could have a good 60 games and have a terrible 162-game season. I mean, several teams have had a good 60 games. Several teams have had a horrible 60 games. Just ask the Nationals and to start the 2019 season. There were a horrible 60 games, and then ultimately they wind up winning the World Series. So it's not necessarily about how you start. It's not necessarily about how you finish. It's about how you, know, it's about how you run the marathon. It's like I hear them say all the time in the broadcast booth, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Last year was a sprint, not a marathon. You know, but this year it's a marathon. You know, whoever wins the marathon, whoever's able to keep it up over 162 games, who's ever able to stay healthy is who's going to win the division. So, um, but anyways, as I was saying, this is probably the one division where all five teams are probably going to be competitive, even the Marlins. I know I said that I don't think they're going to be as good. I still think they'll probably win 75 to 80 games next year, a lot better than they were. And um, outside of them, I think everybody else is going to have 83, oh, 2 plus wins. I think everybody else is going to be over 500. Um, maybe not the Phillies. Um, I'm not completely sold on them because even though they 
you know, have Bryce Harper. They spent all this money. They really didn't do much to improve their team from last season, which really wasn't that great. Um, they have they need some severe serious help in the bullpen. Their rotation outside of Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler looks like it's lacking a little bit. Um, their lineup looks good, but and you know they got a good ace pitcher. But other than that, this this team looks like it's kind of falling behind a little bit in the race. Um, the Nationals, well, they still have one of the best rotations in baseball. So you know all the top th- our top three is can go with any top three in the uh, entire league, except maybe the National, or except for maybe the Dodgers. Um, you know, they still have Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. Um, so, And they added John Lester to that mix to be kind of in the back end. Um, they added some some help in the bullpen. Um, I think they signed, they got Brad Hand. Um, they signed him. Um, they signed a couple other guys in the, to join their bullpen. They also signed... Um, Kyle Schwarber to play the outfield um, to really add some more power to their lineup. Um, they look like they should be good again next year, um, but you know it's just like I said, you know this this division's so competitive that I right now only have them in third place. Um, following up the Nationals or right ahead the Nationals, I think it's going to be the Mets. Now the Mets are the Mets. Um, the Mets usually find a way to screw things up. Um, you know they've had a great roster for a while now when really they haven't been able to do much with it so um, time will tell whether or not the Mets will actually be good next season but everybody knows that they've made crazy moves Francisco Lindor like I mentioned above um, you know they're out of Carrasco in that trade they got James McCann to be a, their catcher you know they already had you know, Pete Alonso in a really good lineup, Michael Conforto in there. Um, they still have Jacob DeGrom, who's the best pitcher in the league, in my opinion, or the most consistent pitcher in the league, in my opinion. So this team should be good. I mean, they still have they have all the right pieces. If they can just all pull it together and not pull a Mets, then this team should be really good next year. And then in first place, and going with the safe pick, the Braves. Um, the Braves didn't really do much to improve last season. They signed Ozuna. They re-signed Ozuna, so they really just kept the same roster. Um, they did add two veteran pitchers, Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton, to one-year deals. and But they also lost a couple, Shane Green and Mark Melanson in the bullpen. So, you know, while their rotation might have got a little bit more consistent, their bullpen got a little bit less consistent. So, um, But overall, I think this is the team to beat the National League East until the Braves prove me other, otherwise. Again, this is my favorite team, so I might be a little biased here. But I think they, they still have all the team kit. They still have all the chemistry. They still have the roster. They have everything they need to compete for next season. Uh, moving on down south, or moving on down over to the Central Division, um, in first place, I have the Cardinals winning this division, followed behind the Brewers, Cubs, Reds, and Pirates. Now, um, we'll start in last place and work our way up. We'll just start with the Pirates. Um, this roster does not look like it's going to be all that good next year. Um, they were okay for a little while in 2019 before falling apart they were horrible last year um i see this team being 90 to 100 losses next year so really this is just kind of a write-off um i don't see pittsburgh really having a scenario where they would win this division or be any competitive um so um with that being said let's go and move up to fourth place in cincinnati now fourth place and third place i kind of go back and forth on because Outside of Pittsburgh, the rest of the division looks pretty good. The Reds lost Trevor Bauer to the Dodgers, but they still have Luis Castillo. They still have Sonny Gray. Um, they still have, you know, they're they still have uh, Mike Mustakas who they signed last season. Good power hitter. 
uh, Suarez, the, the power hitting third base. They have a lot of power up and down this lineup, but last year their biggest problem was they could not hit. They they were awful with the bat in their hand. Like they just they just couldn't hit. I mean, you know. So, I um, mean, without Trevor Bauer, that rotation is going to go down a little bit. They won't have Bauer every fifth day pitching. They'll have someone else instead. I still think this is a pretty good team, but um, their offense really needs to prove that they're not, you know, going to hit they're not going to be terrible like they were last year because let's just be honest, they were pretty bad last year. Um, Moving on um, up to Chicago for the Cubs. Now, the Cubs, well, they still have Bryant Rizzo and Baez. They still have Jason Hayward. Still have uh, Kyle Hendricks in the rotation. Um, They lost you Darvish to the Padres. They traded them to San Diego, but they got Zach Davies. Um, This roster still looked really good, but you know, at the same time, the Cubs have also kind of like their three core Bryant Rizzo Baez. It's really started to struggle a little bit. Baez was really bad last season. Like he was not all that great. His OPS, his own base percentage was like 230, um, which is not good at all for what two considered to be a star player. So um, overall, I think the Cubs are good. I don't think they're great. I don't think they're going to win this division. And I think they're right now in third place, maybe even fourth behind Cincinnati because of how you know much they've struggled. Even though they won division last year, um, like I said, it was a sprint, not a marathon. So it's a completely different season. And plus, they didn't really do anything to improve. Um, in second place, I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, now, they also didn't really do a lot to improve, but this roster still looks like it's going to be pretty good next year. Um, and they still have Christian Yelich, who won the MVP in 2018. Probably could have easily won it in 2019 had he not got hurt down the stretch. Struggled a lot in 2020, but um, I'm baking on he rebounds and has a good 2021 season. They still have Kiston Herrera, who's a great hitting power-hitting second baseman. Um, they still have the offense there. They added Colton Wong to play second base, who, you know, formerly of the Cardinals. But outside of that, they really haven't done much to improve their team. Um this team did make the playoffs last year. Um, I think they're still going to be good next year. Um, I have them ahead of the Cubs because, um, you know, I like Christian Yelich. I think that he might be the difference maker to have them ahead of the Cubs. But, you know, really those, those three teams, the Cubs, Reds, and Brewers, are all three in the same boat. They all three made the playoffs last year, and they're all three are um, right there neck and neck with one another. Um, probably in the 80 to 85 win range, if I had to take a guess. And then in first place, I have the Cardinals. Um, the Cardinals also don't wow me. Um, nobody in this division wows me, but, you know, this division is competitive, but it's just that, you know, in the NL East, all. All five teams are really good, and this one, four teams are good. And then all, but in the end, at least all five teams can realistically win 95 to 100 games if everything comes together. In this division, really, I don't see a scenario where anybody would really win 95 to 100 games. Um, right now, I have the Cardinals at around 90 wins next year, winning the division. Um, I like what they've done. I like, you know, they added no one Arenado, a lot of power to that lineup. Um, they've looked at Arenado for a while and finally pulled the trigger on him, like I mentioned above. So this lineup looks like it's a lot better than it was in previous years. Um, their rotation, they still have Adam Wainwright, who's been there forever, really. They still have um, Jack Flaherty. They still have Miles Michaelis. This rotation looks like it's good, so I, I think the Cardinals are going to win, win this division. I don't think it's going to be by a landslide. I don't think they're going to be winning it with, like, 98 wins. I think they're going to be winning it more with, like, 88 to 90 wins, but I still think they're the best team in the Central. Moving on down uh, out west to the NL West. Um, <clears throat> um, in first place, I have the Dodgers. It's second, followed behind the Padres. Uh, 
Diamondbacks, Giants, and Rockies. So we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. Um, the Rockies, they just traded Nolan Arenado. They look like they're heading for a full rebuild. I think they're going to lose 90 to 100 games next year. They're in last place. Um, I There's not really much to say here. I don't think that they're competitive. Uh the Giants are kind of in the same boat, only the Giants are just filled with veteran players who aren't nearly as good as they used to be. Um, they don't really have anybody who stands out as really good except for Mike Yastrzemski. Um, you know, they don't really have the pitching. They don't really have the, the the consistent offense. I think that they're right down there with the Rockies with 90 to 100 losses. Uh, I'll probably see them more with around 90 because, uh, because of the fact that they're veterans. They pull something together and wind up winning – um, 90, they wind up winning like 70 games. So, um, in third place, I have the Diamondbacks. Um, I have them around 75 to 78 wins. Um, there is talent on this roster. Um, they do have Cattell Marte still, but really there's no one here that stands out either. Like this, this roster does not look great. They added Madison Bumgarner in the tw- last offseason and he was awful last year, like really bad. We hardly ever pitched. He was so bad. So, you know, time will tell if he will rebound or if he'll just, you know, if it's just his career's over. But I don't really see the Diamondbacks being all that great next year either. And then we get up to the two and one, uh the Padres and the Dodgers. Because the rest of the division doesn't look all that great. Like I had maybe have the Diamondbacks with seventy five to seventy eight wins if I'm generous. This division is going to be an arms race. I think both these teams have a very good shot to win 100 games next year, uh, probably 95 to 100 for both these teams. Dodgers might even win a few more than 100, like 105. Um, both these rosters look like they're really good, of course. You know, they these are the two teams that are, you know, the Dodgers won the World Series last year. The Padres are the ones who have all the young talent and keep adding on with veteran players and other young talent to complement that. Um I can realistically see both these teams winning this division, but right now I'm going to keep it with the team who's won it for like the past eight seasons, the Dodgers, um, and undoubtedly they are the should be the favorite to win the NL again. Okay, so moving over to the American League now, we'll start in the AL East. Um, in this division, I had the Yankees winning it, followed behind the Blue Jays, Rays, Red Sox, and Orioles. Uh, starting from the bottom, the Orioles. Well, they're the Orioles. You know, they haven't been good since. Yeah, you know, their disastrous uh, 2018 campaign, campaign where they wound up losing like 120 games. Um, so I realistically could see the Orioles, you know, maybe being a little bit better than they have in years past. They were actually pretty decent last year. Like they weren't good, but they weren't as awful as they have been. They have some good offense. You know, they've had, you know, they can score. They can't pitch. You know, they really cannot pitch. So, uh... This roster looks pretty bad still. I have them 95, 90 to 100 losses next year again um, until they're able to get some of their young talent up and compete and adding on some older players. Until they're really able to get Chris Davis off the books, I don't really think the Orioles are going to be any good. Um, now, heading up to Boston, uh, the Red Sox, well, you know, they won the World Series in 2018 and have just kind of collapsed since then. They lost Mookie Betts. You know, this, this team does not look like. They are nearly as good as they once were. They were bad last season. Didn't they finish in last place last year or, you know, second to last? Um, I have them in fourth place. I have them around 70 to 75 wins. I don't think the Red Sox are that good. I think they have a, a long way to go, especially since the three teams ahead of them are really good. Um, in third place, I have the Rays. And, of course, the Rays are the reigning AL champion. And the reason why I have them in third place is because they didn't do anything to get better. In fact, they got worse. Um, they traded Blake Snell to the Padres. You know, they traded, they lost Charlie Morton in free agency. 
you know, they, they're still the Rays. You know, the Rays are really good at scouting talent and bringing up young talent to compete at the major league level, and they will be competitive next year. But I think this is kind of like a retool year for Tampa Bay. Um, I think they still have the, uh, all the pieces there to be competitive again. But right now I see the Rays probably with around 85 to 88 wins. Um, probably more around 85 wins, if I'm being honest. Um, right ahead of them, I actually have the Blue Jays. Um, I like what the Blue Jays have done. They were good last season. They made the playoffs and everything. Um, they've added a, some really good pieces to complement their pieces that were already there. Like I said, it's like the Padres. They have tons of young talent, and they are... Um, they have tons of young talent, um, so obviously they are, um, you know, still pretty good. And then in first place, you obviously have the Yankees. These are the always, you know, the Yankees are always good. So um, I I like their roster still. They still have Stanton, Judge. I mean, Garrett Cole. His roster looks good. They added to resign DJ LeMahieu. Um, so I think the Yankees are the best in the AL. I think they're the best in the AL East. Um, moving over to the Central Division, uh, in first place, I had the White Sox, and followed behind the Twins, Indians, Royals, and Tigers. Uh, we'll start at the bottom, work our way up like we have been. Um, the Tigers are rebuilding. Um, you know, they have, they've got Casey Mize up, who's their, like, one of the best pitching prospects in the league, or he was. Um, you know, they still have a few pieces. They're probably not as bad as they have been, but they're still rebuilding. I still have them, you know, 90 to 100 losses. Kansas City, like Detroit, still rebuilding. Um, you know, I they still have talent. They still have Soler, Salvador Perez, Whit Merrifield's still really good. Um, they actually weren't awful last season, but I have them around 80 to 90 losses for next year. Um, not really much to say about either one of these teams. They're just two rebuilding teams that aren't quite finished yet. They're still in the process. In third place, I have the Indians. Now, the Indians are kind of an interesting team because they're trying to both rebuild and, you know, kind of clear some salary, get some prospects, and then also stay competitive. So, um, they traded their star Francisco Lindor to the Mets. They traded Carlos Carrasco. They traded Mike Clevenger. So this team, yeah, but they still like they should be good next year. I mean, they still have Shea Beaver, who was like the AL Young Award last year, really, really good in Cleveland. So, um, I still think the Indians are eighty to eighty-five wins. Um, I, I, they still have the pitching. They still have a lot of the offense. Jose Ramirez is still there. So I really do like this team for. Uh, Cleveland, um, I think that they're 80 to 85 wins and they could be higher. I mean, this team is really good. So I could see a scenario where they would be higher than 80 to 85. Um, and then moving up, I still have the twins ahead of them. I actually have the twins in second this, this year. Um, I still like Minnesota. I still like the roster. Um, you know, they, they still are the, the very power hit, you know, they still, you know, have tons of power. You know, Josh Donaldson, Andy Rosario, Nelson Cruz was re-signed. You know, they still have all those pieces. Um, you know, they still have, you know, the pitching that they've always had. The Twins are kind of a team I'm not that familiar with, so I do apologize if, like, I'm not naming off players like I normally do. Um, but I, I do know that they, they are really good. Um, um, so, and they've won the division the past two years I think that they'll be right in the thick of things next year as well so Minnesota at second and then in first place uh the White Sox now um I really like what the White Sox have done over the past two years like I said it's like the Padres it's like the Blue Jays they they're coming out of the rebuild they have all their young talent they're adding pieces to this young talent and it's making this roster look really good they had the reigning AL MVP Jose Abreu they have uh you know Moncada Tim Anderson who of course is famous for his bat flips 
Um, they have uh, Dallas Keuchel was re-signed last year. He had a great season. Lucas Giolito is a great pitcher. Um, you know, if there's one weakness of this team is their bullpen. It's not that great, but other than that, their rotation looks pretty strong, and their lineup definitely looks really strong. I think they're the second best in the AL, and I definitely think they're the first best in the Central. Moving out west to the AL West, um, in first place, I have the Oakland Athletics, followed behind the Angels, Astros, Mariners, and Rangers. Um, this division is the hardest to predict because really none of these teams look like they're as good as they always were. The Angels are always hard to uh, predict because they still have all that talent, but I'll get to them in just a second. So um, we'll start from the bottom uh, with the Rangers. The Texas Rangers, uh, I think they're in last place. I think they're 90, you know, 90, maybe 100 losses. I'm not real confident with what they've done. Um, I think they're still pretty good. Um, or not I don't. I take the back. I don't necessarily think they're pretty good. I think they're okay. You know, they're nothing about them stands out to me. However, um, you know, so really, I had them in last place. Probably more around eighty to ninety losses. Um, eighty-five to ninety losses next year. And ahead of them, I have the Mariners, and this is solely based on the reason that you know they were more exciting last year. They have lots of young talent in Seattle. They're not quite there yet. I have them eighty to ninety losses like the Rangers, but I have them just a touch ahead of Texas, like maybe about three games or so. So, um, like I said, the Mariners are kind of interesting because they do have a lot of young talent. They are getting there, but they're not. I don't think they're quite there yet. So I have them in third, in fourth place. In third place, I have the Astros. Have of course been you know really competitive. They lost the division last year, but they won the World Series just you know three seasons ago uh, coming this year it'll be four seasons ago but you know they're they lost george springer you know they still have justin verlander they still have all this talent but you know justin verlander's not getting any younger um and the rest of the lineup is not nearly as good as they once were um they, like i said they lost just or they lost george springer to the blue jays um they're still you know still negatively impacted by the cheating scandal they had had to go through it the start of last season around this time last year so overall i had the astros in third place um like i said the talent's still there but i just don't i'm not completely sold on them yet and then in second i have the los angeles angels the angels are always hard to predict because they have mike trout they have shohei otani they have all this talent david fletcher who's really good really underrated player at second they they're never any good and it's because they don't have any pitching you know they their starting pitching is still severely lacking um they're they can't they're not really doing much to address that and until they do i don't have them as a playoff team nor do i have them winning this division obviously so um i have them in second maybe 83 to 86 losses or 83 to 86 wins next year so um, and then in first place, I'm going to take the safe pick, the Oakland Athletics. Um, nothing about this team stands out, but the A's and, you know, Bob Melvin, Billy Bean find a way to win the division every year. So um, I do think that they'll find a way to be competitive every year. So I do think that they'll, you know, stick with, I'll stick with that trend. And I'm going to say the A's are going to win this division. It's a safe pick. You know, they still have Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. Um, you know, they still have, they lost Marcus Simeon, who was a big part of their 2019 team. They lost him over to uh, the Blue Jays, but I still like the A's. I still think they're a good team. Um, I feel pretty good that they might, I feel pretty good about their chances in this division, especially considering the fact that the rest of the teams don't look at that strong. So that's it for the predictions. Finally today, I kind of want to tell a few uh, fun baseball stories I have to tell. Now, I'm probably not going to go into as depth as I wanted to 
um, in this segment because I've kind of running low on time, but I am going to tell you uh, about a few of the baseball games I've been to and, you know, what's happened in them. So anyways, ever since I was little, my grandmother has taken me to a at least one Braves game a year. Now, uh, when it was at Turner Field, uh, we went to one Braves game a year. Once it moved to SunTrust Park, it went to three, then five, then six. So, um, you know, obviously there's a lot more in the later seasons because I went to a lot more games that those years. So um, we're going to start out. Um, like I said, I'm just going to tell you uh, all the games I've seen and who won and just kind of a fun story about them. Um, so the first game I kind of a little bit remember watching or being at was uh, July 16th, 2011. That was the Braves and the Nationals. Uh, the Nationals won 5-2. to two. Um, There's only really two things I remember about this game. Uh, Brian McCann in a home run and beat the B-52s, had a post-game concert. Outside of that, I don't remember anything about this game. Um, I was, you know, Lord, seven years old, I think. Maybe, you know, maybe. So uh, I don't, not real familiar with this game. So, or, you know, I don't remember it like I remember some of the other ones. Um, the next season, I remember this game a little bit more. Um, this is uh, September 1st, 2012. It was the Braves and the Phillies. Uh, the Phillies won 5-1. to one. This is my last time I saw Chipper Jones play for the Braves. Um, I remember every, it was a really big deal at the time. A um, couple notable things about this one. Um, the one run the Braves scored was a Martin Prado home run. I remember that. And I remember that the Braves, are, there was a post-game concert by Leonard Skinner. And of course, not the real one, you know, the, the cover one, but still. Um, a lot of the early ones I went to had a post-game concert with them. Well, yeah, about these first four had post-game concerts. So um, those are really the two things I remember about this game. You know, Martin Prado had a home run. I remember Chipper Jones, everybody was making a big deal out of him, and I remember that Leonard Skinner played a post-game concert. Um, the next season, this was probably, you know, definitely right up there, probably second in the most exciting games I saw. Uh, this was June the 1st, 2013, the Braves versus the Nationals. I remember this game very vividly. Um, we got stuck in traffic because it's Atlanta. It was a Saturday, and they were doing construction downtown for some reason. So traffic was awful. We sat in traffic for like two hours, like literally in downtown, so really close to the stadium. We got to the game in the third inning, um, so we missed you know a, the first couple innings. The game wound up, you know, first of all, there was like 50,000 people there. It was like the most crowded game I ever saw at Turner Field. There was a lot of people there. The Braves were obviously in first place. The Nationals won the division last year, so it was a really competitive matchup. It was Heritage Week, Run DMC, who hardly ever gets together. They got together to play a post-game concert this year. So, you know, it was a really crowded game. So, um, but anyways, um, there wasn't really much that happened. Um, Both teams scored, I think, in the third and the fourth. And then there was nothing else, no more scoring until the bottom of the 10th inning when B.J. Upton stepped up to the plate and hit a walk-off single in the left field. Um, I'm actually going to put in a clip, so uh, listen in to the uh, crowd. Fastball throughout this at bat. Gerald Laird is on deck for the Braves. And there's a ball hit out to right field. It's a base hit. So as you can hear, that was a really crowded game. Uh, thanks to MLB and Fox for the clip, uh, by the way. 
All right, so moving on to next year's game, uh, we have the Giants and the Braves. This was May the 3rd, 2014. This game was literally not memorable at all. The only thing I remember about it was that Buster Posey had a home run for the Giants. There was nothing nothing happened. Cool and a gang played a post-game concert. Outside of those two things, I don't remember anything about this game. It was really boring. Um, you know, it was kind of probably one of the weaker games I've been to. So um, there's not really much exciting to say here, so we'll move on to next year's. Uh, this is... August 7th, 2015, the Braves and the Marlins. This is when the Braves first started their rebuild, so they were really, really bad. Um, but they actually did win this game against the Marlins. They won 6-3. to um, I kind of remember Jeff Francoeur, who played for the Braves at the time, doing something. But outside of that, I don't remember anything else about this game. Um, really, I don't know why. It was a good game. I remember it, there wasn't really that much of a crowd there, but I remember it being a pretty good game, pretty exciting. I just don't remember much about it. Um, the next year, uh, July 7th, or July 15th, 2016, uh, we saw the Braves and the Rockies. Uh, this is the last game I ever saw at Turner Field, and then unfortunately, the Rockies beat the Braves 11-2. to uh, This is, I think, one of, the, one of, if not the only game I left early because it was so bad. Um, <clears throat> I left the game when it was like 7-2 to to just kind of get a beat on traffic. My brother had to work the next morning, so we, we, left, we left a little early. Um, to try to get out of there and we were in the parking lot walking out of the stadium in the ninth inning Trevor Story for the Rockies who of course was like the super rookie at the time hit a grand slam to put the Rockies up 11 to 2 um, and I was just walking out of the stadium I think we heard people groaning inside and I checked my phone and he hit a grand slam and I was like well you know kind of glad we left early because this game was not competitive at all um, unfortunately this was my last memory at Turner Field um the next year, uh, April 17th, 2017, this was the first of four games I saw this year, uh, the Braves and the Padres. Um, this is the first game I saw at SunTrust Park. Um, it was really exciting. You know, At the time, I hated the new stadium, but this was a really good game to watch. Um, the Braves won 5-4. to four. Freddie Freeman went 4-4, four for four, hit two home runs. I think he hit two doubles as well. Um, he even tied the game in the eighth. He tied the game in the eighth inning and then in the bottom of the eighth inning and in the bottom of the ninth inning, James B. Swanson stepped up with the bases loaded. Listen in to this next play. One ball, two strikes, and the pitch to Swanson. Swing a line drive, left field. That's a base hit. Braves win. Um, thanks to the Braves Radio Network and the MLB, of course, for those that clip as well. Uh, moving on to the next, to the next game, uh, it was... May the 6th, 2017, uh, Braves versus Cardinals. This was a sellout, 40,000 people here. Unfortunately, the Cardinals won this game 5-3. to three. It was really cold. We had crappy seats, and ultimately, this game was not one I remember. I do remember Adonis Garcia, of all people, for the Braves, hit scored the only runs. He had a three-run home run in the seventh, I think. But outside of that, this game was just kind of, you know, pretty not exciting um, and kind of miserable, to be honest with you. Um, and then... Uh, change things up a little bit. Later that month, May 24th, 2017, uh, I actually saw a game down in Tampa Bay. Uh, the Rays and the Angels. This was the first of two games I saw at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg. Um, this game was really fun. Um, I remember like th- there was hardly anybody there, so it was like very fan interactive. There were hecklers there. It was really fun. Of course, we were playing the Angels, so we had Mike Trout and Albert Pujols. I actually got to see Albert Pujols hit a home run in this game. Um, and I remember, you know, it was a really fun environment, really fun, you know, kind of different type of perspective. Uh, going to this game because I really liked it at Tropicana Field. Everybody gives it crap, but I actually really liked the stadium. 
um, and I really liked the experience I got here. Um, the Tampa Bay actually became my second favorite team. So, um, you know, if they're not playing the Braves, I will see. I will pull hard for Tampa Bay. Um, I hope they do. Like I said, I always hope they do well as well. Um, now, getting back up to Atlanta the next month, literally a month later on June 24th, 2017, uh, I saw the Braves and the Brewers. This was my last game for 2017. Um, so uh, the Braves won this one 3-1. to one. Um, Not really much happened. I remember R.A. Dickey was pitching. He was good this game. And I remember Brandon Phillips, who was playing for the Braves, hit, the, hit a two-run home run. That was really notable. And also, we were I actually got a replica 1995 World Series ring in this game. So obviously, that was really cool. I still have that ring put up in my room. So... Uh, really kind of a cool giveaway to get and of course got to see the Braves win so it's always exciting to see Atlanta win um, uh, following up next season I saw a bunch of games over the next two years so just bear with me a little bit um, I actually went to opening day 2018 Braves and Phillies um, this is the game where Nick Markakis hit a walk-off home run to win uh, the Braves fell behind five to nothing entering in the sixth inning before they started their comeback Freddie Freeman hit a home run um, in the sixth, really get things started. They had a big rally in the eighth. I think they scored like four runs in the eighth, or three, three to four runs in the eighth to uh, tie the game. And then in the bottom of the ninth, I think Marquecas stepped up with runners at first and second, uh, two outs. Our runners at first and second. To listen again to uh, this next clip. Swing and a drive. Uh, thanks to MLB, of course, and Fox Sports South for that clip. Um, moving on to the next game. Two days later, I actually went back to Atlanta and saw the Braves play again, and this was by far the most lopsided game I ever saw. Uh, it was 15-2 to Atlanta, um, so the Braves won the series, uh, winning game three of the series, the uh, rubber match, 15-2, to so uh, obviously not very competitive. So, um, not really much to say here. Uh, the Braves just really pummeled them. Something really funny. I remember uh, the manager at the Phillies was Gabe Kapler, who was brand new. And he actually, at one point, called for the bullpen when there was nobody in the bullpen warming up. So, he called to go uh, change pitchers, and the umpires were like, there's no one in out there warming up. So, the umpires let the Phillies pitcher come out and warm up and throw as many warm-up pitches as he wanted to before he uh you know before he got to you know pitch and brian snicker of the braids was not happy about this at all and he got thrown out and you know that was just kind of really funny because at the time i was sitting up there like why in the world is the manager out there yelling at the umpire what's happened here and then i found out later what exactly happened and it was actually really funny about how he called to the bullpen when there was nobody warming up in the bullpen so really kind of an ultimate manager fail there um outside of that uh, i remember Lane adams hit a home run for Atlanta. Outside of that, it was just a slaughter. I mean, they just just kept getting hit after hit after hit. So, uh, not really much to uh, not really much else to say about this one. It was just a really well played game by Atlanta. Um, I'd wind up not seeing the Braves again for three more months. Uh, moving over to June twenty fourth, twenty eighteen, I saw the Braves and the Orioles play. Um, and this game was really kind of fun because uh, we just bought a house that year, so he did a lot of uh, home improvement stuff with the Home Depot. And we actually wound up, because we spent so much money there, I wound up getting two free Braves tickets. They were running a promotion here for two free Braves tickets if you spent like $100 on that Home Depot. So he wound up buying uh, 
some stuff. We wound up buying like a microwave and, you know, we wound up getting two free Braves tickets. I got to see the Orioles, a team I never saw before. This was the year the Orioles were really bad. Um, so, um, not really much to say about this game either. I don't really hardly remember it. It was a Sunday afternoon uh, and D.H.B. Swanson hit a home run for Atlanta. Outside of that, you know, nothing really exciting happened in this one. Um, I went back and saw him three days later, uh, staying true with my uh, earlier one where I saw him two days later and then didn't see him for three months. Um, so I saw him again two days later against Cincinnati. Uh, the Reds won this game 6-5. to five. I remember we had really good seats for this one, front row in the outfield and everything. Um, it was really hot. There was it was a like twelve o'clock game on a Wednesday afternoon, a you know kind of a getaway game for the Reds who had to get out of town. It was like I said, really hot. I mean, I don't think I ever sweated that much in my life. Um, you know, but other than that, it was a really fun game to go to because it was not crowded because it was a Wednesday afternoon, and I got we got really good seats for this one. So. Um, but outside of that, not really much to say about this one. I remember Joey Votto got ejected, and that was pretty funny. But other than that, not really much happened in this game. Uh, now, I wouldn't see him again until October, which was in the postseason. So I got to see the Braves and the Dodgers play in the 2018 NLDS. So I was there for the opening day game, and I was there for the second to last game. And by far the most exciting baseball game I've ever been to and ever probably will be to go to. Um, this was the famous Acuna Slam game. So uh, the Braves jumped ahead five to nothing. Walker Bueller walked. Um, Sean Newcomb with the bases loaded, bringing up Ronald Acuna. And I'll just let you listen into the crowd for this one. The 3 1, and Acuna swings. It's a high drive to left center field. Taylor back at the wall. It is gone. A grand slam for Acuna. Thanks to Fox Sports 1 and MLB.com for that game. All right, so um, that's probably going to be the last clip i show you. So moving on to the 2019 season, I saw a 
bunch of games. Uh, starting April 14th, Braves versus Mets. Uh, uh, this was the first Sunday night baseball game I ever saw, so it was really cool to kind of see. We actually got to see A-Rod and everybody in the broadcast booth, so that was kind of interesting to see. But the Braves wound up winning this game 7-3. to uh, I remember a bunch of Braves hit a home run, actually. I think Josh Donaldson did, Charlie Culberson did, Dick Markakis did. So really kind of a fun fun game to go to. Not very crowded, ironically. I figured that game would be packed, but it ultimately was not crowded at all. So uh, really fun game to go to, like I said. Um, so really not much to say about this one either. Really, you know, kind of exciting. Um, three days later, I went and saw them play at the Diamondbacks. So staying true with uh, my, you know thing we're seeing them really close together and then not seeing them for a while um i saw them play the diamondbacks um i wound up this game wound up being three to two arizona i remember it was really depressing it went to extra innings um diamondbacks like the braves jumped up to an early lead was pitching really well bullpen wound up blowing it and then in the uh top of the 10th inning jesse biddle was on the mound for the braves and he was uh you know he like made an error and then proceeded to walk three straight guys scoring the go-ahead run (laughs) and brian snicker came out and pulled him and like literally did not make eye contact just took the ball from him and pointed to the dugout as he exited to the crowd literally stand all standing up and booing at him because it was so awful i don't think i've ever booed at someone so loudly nor have i ever been that upset at the baseball game before so that was a really kind of upsetting game to go to but it was definitely very memorable now that i think about it um but really not much to say there. I don't really want to talk about this one too much because it was like really depressing. Um, moving ahead, uh, a little less than two weeks later, I saw the Braves again, this time against the Rockies. Um, a really funny story about this one. Uh, my mom was trying to buy tickets to the Sunday night game against the Mets. And somehow she wound up buying tickets to the Rockies on accident. So we wound up getting new, more tickets. And this game was really the best one I saw in 2019. I actually do have one more clip for you. Um, this game was back and forth. Home run, Palooza. I mean, I never saw that many home runs in person. Uh, I remember the first inning, Ozzy Albies let off with a home run, let off the game with a home run for the Braves. Freddie Freeman had a home run two batters later. Ozzy had another home run. And then at the bottom of the eighth inning with the Braves trailing 7-5, to five, Josh Johnson stepped to the plate. Listen in to this next clip. One swing could flip the game in the Braves' favor. They did it to us last night. Why don't we do it to them today? I like it. Hit high in the air. Deep right field. Blackman is back. Track wall. Goodbye. A three-run blast by Donaldson. And the Braves are back out in front with their fourth home run of the day. Thanks to Fox Sports South, MLB, and the Braves Radio Network for that clip. Um, of course, Jeff Rancor with the uh, prediction there. Really kind of a cool call. Um... Uh, pushing on, I uh, did not see another baseball game until June 11th. Um, this was yet another one in Tampa Bay, so uh, we de- went down to Tampa yet again. We were like, hey, let's go see another baseball game, so we went and saw the Rays play the Athletics. So, um, this one was really fun, too. Um, I really, you know, like I said, I really uh, had a good time at this game. Uh, ultimately, the Rays did not win this one, but it was, you know, they made a rally in the ninth inning. Uh, everybody was loud. The stadium got real loud, even though there was only like 10,000 people there. Like I said, it's Tampa Bay. It's not ever crowded unless they're in the postseason or the Yankees or Red Sox are playing. But um, this game was really fun. Um, and uh, we wound up seeing a preview of a postseason matchup in this one as the Rays and A's would go on to play in the wild card game later that year. But yeah, Oakland did win. Uh, not much to say about this one uh, because not I don't really remember too much. I just remember I, I do really... You know, I just remember the fact that I saw another game in Tropicana Field. About a week later, uh, staying true with uh, my 
my habit of seeing them really bunched together. I saw the Braves play the Mets, um, and the only reason why I went to this game was because they were giving away an Ozzy Albies chain. Um, and if I wouldn't have keep losing, I would still be wearing that Ozzy chain. It was the best giveaway I think I've ever gotten. Like that in the World Series ring were both two real cool giveaways I went to. Um, and I actually sought this one out. Like I saw a commercial for it on the Braves, watching the Braves because I watch them every day, every night pretty much. Saw a commercial advertising the Ozzy giveaway. So I was like, let's get tickets. So my brother found $5 tickets in the outfield. So like really good seats for $5. So they were not like the nosebleed. They were like. $30 tickets normally would be found for five on a student pass offer and we wind up you know it wound up being set the Braves wind up winning seven to two uh really exciting game packed game almost a sellout 37,000 really crowded for a Wednesday night uh really fun environment because there was a lot of young like I know this sounds funny but there was a lot of young people there to get the chain so it was that much louder um so yeah the Braves wind up winning seven to two a lot of home runs in this one I actually there was only two home runs in this one but um, you know, it was still very memorable. I do remember uh, one fun play that did happen in this one. Charlie Culberson actually made a threw someone out at home plate, and that was really exciting because, like, um, you know, like I said, with the crowd being that involved and that loud, you just remember things more than you normally would. So I remember that play being really fun. Uh, less than a week later, <laughs> I saw the Braves and the Royals play, and then uh, this game was awful like the the Diamondbacks game the Braves lost two to nothing uh they could not do anything on offense ironically the closest run the closest they got to scoring Tulio Tehran who's who was the pitcher for that game like flew out to the warning track he almost hit a home run and that would have been the Braves only run of the game so it was really kind of fun but no I remember this game was kind of sad because the Braves just couldn't hit with runners in scoring position they were really bad offensively this day so um yeah really fun game to go to actually i really you know i it was like the mets game i i take the back it was not a fun game to go to it was like the mets game really crowded for a wednesday night but still uh nothing real exciting happened in this one um and then i would not see him again and this was the most recent game i saw because of covid um October 4th, 2019, the Braves and the Cardinals. This was the 2019 NLDS Game 2. Uh, Braves won this one 3 to nothing. Uh, Mike Fulton average pitched a 7-inning shutout. Bullpen wound up holding. And Adam Duvall had a two-run home run in the 7th to cement the Braves' victory. So, really fun game to go to. Um, really exciting. Not quite as exciting as the last playoff game. But it's always fun to see your team win in the postseason, no matter what sport it is or no matter how they do it. So, obviously, a really, really cool, really fun, exciting game game to go to again this year all right so um real quick i uh, just kind of wrap things up uh, my favorite braves memory uh is obviously the acuna slam because i was in the game i remember i've never been that excited in my life like i was jumping up and down every everybody was exciting the stadium i felt like was shaking i've never i'm in the football games at death valley and clemson and I've never f- heard a sporting event that loud before. Like, I, like it was so loud when he did that. Um, another, like, I, it was just like I was hugging this drunk dude beside me. I never met. I was hugging my brother. It was just kind of a really fun experience. I wish I could experience that again. But you know, um, the chances of me actually ever seeing a game that good again are pretty slim. Even though they didn't even went on a walk off, it was just like. 
every inning the Dodgers had got guys on base, got guys to third, then would not wind up scoring, and the Braves bullpen was clutch. It was just a really fun game, really, you know, even though they gave me a heart attack 17 times, and everybody in the stadium was drunk except for me, it felt like uh, it was still a really fun experience. Another fun baseball story is that I actually inspired to be a sportscaster or go on uh, baseball radio. Um, This is actually kind of why I'm doing this podcast, is because I want to go into a career in radio, television, broadcasting, so um it's you know this is you know i love baseball and i would love to be able to announce baseball on the radio or tv so um yeah um that's just about wraps things up for today's episode um tune in next time for an overview of my home state south carolina remember to check out my new new website for all new content i publish link down in the description below for now i'm zachary franks thank you so much for listening so long everybody